This is a classic. You ready? Yep. You should know it within the first second and a half. Is it the one you were playing outside in the in the hallway? You heard that? A little bit. Oh, man. <laughs> I still didn't get it, though. What is it? I can't, I can't place it. Well, here it comes. Different strokes. Different strokes it takes. Different strokes through the world. I'm starting to get... Here comes a bridge. <laughs> I'm starting to get a lot of these mixed up. Like, they, they, a lot of them sound alike. <laughs> yes, they do. Which ones? This, this one... Silver Spoon and uh, they have have they're similar. And together we'll be fine. We're totally violating copyright. We just played the whole song. Well, welcome everybody to Joel and Rob's podcast. We've been away for a couple weeks. There has been a lot going on, but we are excited to get back into it today. Yep. And um, we're excited that you're with us. We are excited that you are with us. Uh, we, last podcast was chapter 26 of We Make the Road by Walking. And so in chapter 27, we start a whole new section. Uh, Brian calls this section Alive in a Global Uprising. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, and what we love about the beginning of this section is that it begins with the season of Lent that we are in. One of the things we loved about this book um, was that it followed the lectionary and the church calendar. And so it almost lines up perfectly where this chapter was the first chapter of our season of Lent. It did line up perfectly, yeah. Yep. And Brian begins with... The Sermon on the Mount that we're going to be diving into. Yeah, we built the whole Linton worship structure yes. to, to mix in with chapters 27, 28, 29, and 30. Yes, yes. And uh, one of the things that I personally have to let go are all those worship plans now yes. that our, our work is going to be remote for at least the next couple weeks. Yep. For a while, yep. But... Uh, I did to preach on, on just 27 and 28 at least. You preached on this text that we're talking about. Yep. I did. Yeah. I'm noting right now, I'm not sure my Facebook Live can hear it, but I'm guessing the podcast can. Um, we can hear Stephen in the background practicing yeah. organ. Can you folks on Facebook Live hear us okay? We see some comments. Oh, good. Audio is fine. Good. All right. Excellent. Thank you. All right, so chapter 27 uh, begins with Matthew chapter 5, which is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is three chapters, chapter 5, 6, and 7. Yep. Um, uh, And Jesus um, has just, the very beginning of Matthew's gospel, um, this is, you could say, Jesus' first main, his first address in Matthew. His first serious, hey, everybody, this is what I've come to do. Come and listen. Um, he's had his uh, baptism. He's had wilderness. He's had a healing. He called his first disciples. And here is where his ministry, at least his preaching ministry, 
really begins. To the to the masses, yeah. Yes. He, he had gone through uh, Capernaum and te- taught in their synagogues and, and healed folks there. There, yes. as he says, which is how words spread throughout throughout all of Galilee, yes. and not just Galilee, but even beyond on the Jordan. And you don't have to know the geography, ge- ge- but to say that it's beyond the Jordan is to say, say that folks even outside of Jerusalem and Ju- Ju- Judea were coming, coming because they had heard about this new rabbi with these new teachings who yes. were performing these new kind of miracles, healing people nobody else could heal. Well, this is and now the masses. So, so you're 100 right. This really is his first main address. The first actual words we're hearing his teaching that we're hearing from. Yes, Matthew describes him that he has already taught, but this is where we first yes. get the nitty gritty. Yeah. That's what I was talking yeah. about. Yeah, and yep. so this is like the first big address to a whole huge group of people. Yep. So a few weeks ago, um, was it March 1st? That's this is what you preached on. Yeah. This. Um, and it's known in uh, in in gospel terms as the Beatitudes. Yes. And uh, both Matthew and Luke have these. Luke has what's called the Sermon on the Plain. Correct. Because Jesus is talking to a whole bunch of people on a plane. And, and Matthew, it's just a little different. It's a little different. Yeah, yeah. it's not word for word, which is what happens Matthew, when they were making these gospels. Matthew has years ago. them up, Jesus up on a mountain, because the idea is so many people came that the only way Jesus could be seen and heard, although you don't really know how Jesus was heard when the crowd was that big, right? But it was to go up on on a mountain, a mount, mount they call it, and addresses the people, and that's how it be known as the Sermon on the Mount. Yep. Yep. So let's read these. I think it would help if we read these um, quickly. The Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if that's what it means to be blessed, or if that's what it takes to be blessed, do you want to be blessed? So what are your thoughts from this from this scripture? Just Take a step back. When you when you look at these, what what jumps out at you? That I don't want to be blessed. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Blessed are the grieving. I don't want to grieve. Hmm. Blessed are the poor. I don't want to be poor. I've always had a hard time wrapping my head around these. Um, they've always been a struggle, which Brian gets into later, in that he describes this is kind of the ways of the world in terms of success. And Jesus is laying out a whole different criteria of success. And we'll get into success later. Mm-hmm. I think that was, was very full. He reframes the frames. Really he done. does. Yeah. He does. Yep. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I've taken success and, and the literal, literal definition of success in a Bible dictionary would be something like looked upon by, by God with favor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Something like that, um, to have God's um, approval, mm-hmm. um, 
And I absolutely can connect how God is with the poor and the grieving and the peacemakers and the merciful. Um, but if that's what it means to truly be blessed, right? You know, bless you. We pray for God's blessings upon people. Mm-hmm. And if that really is who's blessed, how much do we actually want God's blessing? Mm-hmm. And there are definitely strands of Christianity that would that completely counter the Beatitudes that talk about blessing in terms of literally how our culture views it. Expansion of money and property yep. and power. Um, so Jesus here lays out this such a countercultural yeah. vision of what success looks like. Um, uh, I've heard people say how um, uh, that we uh, we try and get the Ten Commandments posted in certain certain places <laughs> in our in our cultures. So whether it's a courthouse house, I think they are huge to the Judeo Christian. Uh, history and theology. Um, and I've heard a couple people say, say that um, what would it look like to, if, to if these it. were posted wow. as opposed to the Ten Commandments? Because this is from Matthew's Gospel. He's starting with these Beatitudes and yep. saying, this is, this is what I'm going to run on here. Yeah. This is my message. And it is so... <laughs> Imagine, it, 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 think of it like this. Imagine a politician, right? We just had the debates last night between Bernie and Biden. Imagine a politician getting out there and their very first stump speech, their very first kind of appeal to the masses is going to say, I am the one I have come for. I will always stand on the side of everyone whom society looks down on. Mm -hmm. That's who I have come for. Mm. That's who I will be advocating for. That's who I say God sides with. Yes. Everyone whom society looks down on. My reign, my kingdom, will be about them. And imagine being a pastor or (laughs) anyone in the religious sphere who goes to a church and then offers that as their first major sermon. Imagine offering a can of 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 dating sermon, right? In the Presbyterian world, this this is you go and you preach each congregation that it's then going to vote on whether or not they're they're going to receive you as their as their Yep. And then imagine offering that as kind kind of first address to a congregation, a community of faith. I mean, what he is he is what he is saying is not just revolutionary, offensive. And if we don't understand or take offense to it, then we don't really get it. Mm -hmm. And later on, he's going to name just how challenging this is, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate. And he says even later, Jesus' promises will pay a price for making that choice. Yeah. Well, heck, he gets killed for it. Yep. Right? Yep. I mean, he ultimately gets killed for living out what he says mm-hmm. in the Sermon on the Mount. Yep. I mean, that, that's really what does him in. So let's jump into McLaren's chapter. Um, very beginning, after he's offered, Jesus has offered these words, Brian says, his words no doubt surprise everyone because we normally play by these rules of the game. And I think they're helpful to note and 
to also, as I read them, I thought about which rules do I play by. <clears throat> do everything you can to be rich and powerful. Toughen up and harden yourself against all feelings of loss. Yeah. Measure your success by how much of the time you are thinking only of yourself and your own has. Be independent and aggressive, hungry and thirsty for higher steps in the social order. Amen. And then strike back quickly when others strike you. Guard your image so you'll all be popular. Isn't isn't that a really I think eloquent articulation of society's ideals? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I think he's spot on. I think he nails it, and yep. I, I think I am very convicted by it as well. Absolutely. I mean, uh, not every single part of every single one, but let's not kid ourselves that this is really what culture, what what capitalistic culture in particular, lifts up. And what culture views as success. You are successful mm-hmm. when you have taken these on. It is not successful if you are um, not immediately striking back and making sure you are always the elevated, esteemed one. Yeah. Um, and then Jesus quickly then, well, as Brian says, he redefines success. And that's the genius of what Brian brings to the Beatitudes. It's because he, he says, okay, the Beatitudes are more than simply whom God favors or God looking upon with approval, right? That He says it's actually a much bigger, thicker, more, deeper meaning than the, the, the mere word blessed would be defined. Yep. He's saying it's saying more than that. It, it's who we strive to be. We 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 only want to consider ourselves blessed, but we assume what comes along blessing. Mm-hmm. And he, so he's saying it's actually who we aspire to be. It's success, you know. So it's more than just God likes the merciful. It's more than God cares for the grieving. Mm-hmm. It's saying this is who God believes we should aspire to be. This is who God believes is actually truly successful in this world. Yeah. Yeah. It's a genius reframing, yep. I think. And this is how he reframes it. it and I think we need to, I, I want to share this. Um, the poor, so he, he asks, who are blessed? What kinds of people should we seek to be identified with? The poor and those in solidarity with them. Those who mourn, who feel grief and loss the nonviolent and gentle, those who hunger and thirst for the common good and aren't satisfied with the status quo, the merciful and compassionate, those characterized by openness, sincerity, and unadulterated motives, those who work for peace and reconciliation, those who keep seeking justice even when they're misunderstood and misjudged, those who stand for justice as the prophets did, refuse to back down or quiet down when they are slandered, mocked, misrepresented, threatened, and harmed. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it had me thinking about, about as these and thinking about success, and I've been thinking about how we how we understand what it means for our churches and our church to be successful. And, and often 
successful is wrapped up in numbers, right? How many people are coming, how fast we're growing. Um, I think we've talked about this for youth ministry before and how uh, the question when I'm approached or other colleagues are approached of um, uh, youth ministry, the first question is, well, how many teens come? And the the idea of success is answered in that question. Oh, 100%. 30 to 40, 60, 10. 10 would be you're not successful. Yeah. 40 would be you are, right? And so it's had me thinking about what does success look like here? Because I can still feel that I'm always battling it. I'm always battling, especially in terms of understanding success, how, how to redefine it. Um, and also, I've been thinking recently about what would be some benchmarks that we have that we can that we can actually share that define um, what it looks like for us? Amen. Yeah. I mean, session has benchmarks. Session is the yes. the governing board of the church. Session actually has benchmarks set for the 2018 vision report. Yes. And, and with four new new initiatives we're really focusing on. Yeah. And those benchmarks are quantitative mm-hmm. benchmarks. Now. That's not simply because the only thing we care care is quantitative, but it it, it is under under perspective, right? That the qualitative growth we will have. How do we measure that? Mm-hmm. And basically, the only way we're comfortable measuring that, even qualitative growth, is quantitatively. You know. You measure something qualitative, quantitatively. It's not a, it's apples and oranges. But yeah. that's what we're yes. really trying to do. Yes. And and it's something that I absolutely do when I'm looking at markers of church health. I'm absolutely looking at things like small group participation, worship attendance. That's the singularly biggest one. Yes. Right. Worship attendance. And I would say that, and you're correct, um, but it can't be the only one. It shouldn't be the exactly. only one. And Jesus is here saying that we actually need to begin looking to new models of success Yes, in and of themselves. You know, I love the line. It's what my sermon title was called. I stole it from Brian. It's a new kind of hero. Mm-hmm. We need to be looking towards a new ideal. Yeah, We need to have a new understanding of exactly who we are aspiring to be, both individually who are we? Who who are our heroes? Who are we? We who are we mm-hmm. called to aspire to be? Mm-hmm. And then, communally, who are our heroes? What kind of church are we truly aspiring to be? Yeah, you know, is it one that simply packs pews, or is it one one that brings forth real trans- transformation yeah. within people, both individually and communally? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Right back at you, big guy. <laughs> Anything else jump out at you here you want to share? We've talked about... Uh, this is... I love... I just love it. I think it's a powerful way of of, of digging into the Linton journey in particular because yeah. Linton is really all about exploring the distance between who we are and who God is calling us to be. Yeah. I mean, it can be uncomfortable, but... It can also be really life-giving when we allow ourselves and our perspectives to kind of just shift, right? To shift from like, mm, I'm 
this is what I think I need to do to like, well, no, maybe this is mm-hmm. what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and Brian shares that th- these promises will will pay a price for making that choice. We will. Mm-hmm. But he also promises we will discover many priceless rewards. If we seek the kind of unconventional blessedness he proposes, we will experience the true aliveness of God's kingdom. Mm. And so I think for me, that's always been the invitation. Even when I'm stepping something that's uncomfortable and hard and is new and is demanding some kind of change in me, I can get there if I'm willing to walk <laughs> that road. I know there is something, and Brian used the word alive. There's something waiting for me. Well, well said. If I can walk that initial road of being uncomfortable and a little hard and challenging. And that, I think, is the promise mm. that we find of this journey we have with Jesus is <clears throat> it leads to new life. Getting to that new life is tough, and that is the story of Lent that we're in right now. Amen. That's the story of the wilderness. Willingly letting go of the old life that you don't really want to let go of. Absolutely. That is looking within, which is Lent, and doing that kind of self-examination. So again, and Brian hits this over and over again, but he he nails it in this one. Um, Amen. Thanks, Joel. And so let me close with... The last sentence in this chapter, as we listen to Jesus, each of us knows deep inside, if I accept this new identity, everything will change for me. Everything will change. So you can find us at TowsonPress.org. We're going to be updating that uh, consistently. Facebook page is Mm -hmm. at Towson Press. 